Welcome to the CodeCast Podcast. Real-world insights for your daily medical coding and billing processes. And now, here's your host, Terry Fletcher. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CodeCast Podcast. Today, my name is Terry Fletcher. We hit a milestone this week of over 400,000 listeners. So for those of you that are subscribed, our members have listened ever, thank you very much. I just want to say we appreciate all of our listeners and the numbers are growing. So we must be doing something right. And I appreciate that. So today I really wanted to kind of get back to looking at the ENM coding on time. There's a lot of confusion out there. And so I think it's important that we look at auditing based on time. I know it's it's tough sometimes because you've probably been smacked in the face with the 2021 guidelines now for almost two years, but the 2023 rules are basically all being integrated from the 2021, and you're going to have to get this right. And I know it's tough because there's some ambiguities, there's some gray areas, there's interpretation. And so let's just talk about the time-based code. So that means if you're going to report an ENM service based on total time, both face-to-face and non-face-to-face, first of all, it has to be personally spent by the provider or qualified healthcare professional. So somebody who is billing directly to the payer. The provider doesn't have to be in a specific location in order to count the time, but it has to be on the same date that they saw the patient face-to-face. The date doesn't have to be consecutive, and but the, the list can only be time spent uniquely for one patient. So they can't include any time they spent, let's say, in a group setting talking to other patients even about the same problem. Now, if they do any kind of um, coordination of care, so they set them up for, let's say, um, any of the care services, so chronic care management or anything like that, as long as the provider is setting them up because it has to be what the provider is doing. So again, either the MDDO or the nurse practitioner PA, it can't be handing off the chart to the staff. That is really important. The other thing, and this is something that, oh my gosh, I'm seeing this all the time from an audit perspective. You can't say I spent greater than 40 minutes with the patient. You can't do that anymore. You can't give um, any kind of um, consideration of possible time spent. Also, the old rules of 50% or more was spent counseling. You need to get those out of there. I'm starting to see that some of the Medicare, the MAC carriers are saying, well, you haven't updated your templates, so we're not going to give you credit at all. And what does 50% or more mean anyway? So the range has to be exact time. You can't give, we spent between, you know, 30 and 45 minutes with a patient. No, I spent 42 minutes and then document what you did. Also, you have to document not just your best estimate of the exact time, but what you did. Now, start and stop times are not required to be documented unless you're dealing with prolonged care. Actually, in the final rule, I think some people miss this. Prolonged services actually does have to have start and stop or military time, but your actual ENM service does not. I found that little tidbit not long ago. And you don't have to itemize every little thing that you did on time spent, but you have to make sure that you're including the amount of time and activities that you did. And what are part of those activities? So it can be preparing to see the patients, a review of tests that you didn't bill for or order. Remember, if you ordered tests before, you're already getting credit for that. So something that they've brought to you, let's say. 
obtaining and reviewing separately obtained history, performing a medically appropriate exam, which remember, you have to have an exam in history. I can't score you on that, especially if it's time-based, but what the what there seems to be a, a misperception is that you don't have to have a history or exam anymore. No, you have to have a medically appropriate history or exam, uh, and it says and or exam, to reflect medical necessity. And so it's important to know that it still has to exist. So if I see something in there that doesn't exist, then I won't even give you credit for the visit. And I had a physician actually challenge me on that. And, I, and he's like, well, wait a minute, you're saying that if, if you know, the history exam isn't used for scoring, and I don't have one in there, then you're saying that you are scoring it. I'm saying no, you're not reflecting medical necessity, it goes to a different um, valuation, basically. Now counseling and educating the patient, family or caregiver, as long as the patient's there, ordering medications, tests or procedures, okay, that can be that you again are not uh, billing for that's anything that you bill for separately, whether it be lab tests, um, x rays, uh, EKGs, echo anything that you're billing for, you cannot include in time. And that's because you're already getting paid for it. So it's considered double dipping if you do that. Um, referring and communicating with other healthcare professionals, again, when not separately reported, uh, documenting in the clinical record, interpreting any tests that you are not separately reporting, and then care coordination that you're not separately reporting. How many times can I say that? I know that gets old, but it's it's really important to make sure that you are ultra compliant when leveling your code based on time, because the audits that I'm seeing are mostly on time-based codes. So providers should not include any time spent performing or reading AKGs, x-rays, or any other point-of-care tests that are being billed separately. Uh, time should also not be counted for other services. Again, care coordination, tobacco cessation counseling, because you're billing for those separately. Any time spent by your staff? Nope. Remember, there's no shared visits in the office either. And then only time on the same date, date as the face-to-face -face visit can be counted. So if you, the, I see a couple of charts sometimes that'll say, you review the chart the day before the visit, that does not count towards total time. I've also seen something where the doctor will put, I'll spend 15 minutes uh, going over the results and treatment plan with the patient. I'll call them later. I can't give you time for that. So it's, it's you know, it's not on the same date. If you kept the the record open and it was on the same date and you had a conversation with the patient, then that's different. But at a later date, we can't give you credit. For now, I know I was listening to an AMA update, I think last year, and they were talking about um, if they have a conversation, if a physician has a conversation with another physician outside of your practice, and it's not on the same date as the face-to-face, -face, are you allowed to include that time if the record's still open? Um, that was the only caveat, or I should say the exception to the rule they allowed. But for continuity purposes and best practices, I strongly would urge you anything that happens on the same date, because it's really hard to go back and deal with that. And then when you're dealing with uh, time also, make sure that you aren't counting time for general statements, you know, um, diet and exercise would be a good idea. Anything that you generally say to all patients, there is some written rule and published um, guidance saying that general statements cannot be used for that. It can't be used for medical decision making either. It has to be patient individualized. And that's, I think, where everybody's kind of missing the boat there. Also, for documentation purposes, for time-based codes, if the provider documents time as I spent approximately 30 minutes, 
So if they say that with every patient, that auditor is going to question that. So we know that they're not going to count every single minute, but we want to get them to get as close as possible. It's not so much about the time. It's more about, well, it is, but it's also about the statement and the lack of information on how they spent the time. And again, we want you to get individual. So time-based statements, what should they look like? So it should indicate how the provider spent the time, a history and exam, for example, um, as an auditor, I would also like to know if the physician performed anything separate and have a statement in there that says not included in the time. So if they did a lesion removal or if they, um, you know, did an injection, you know, make sure that there's something in there that reflects that you did not include that in the time or I'll take the time off. I'll anticipate how much the standard of care time is for that if it's not in there and I'll just subtract the time. I have to from an auditing perspective. And then also, you know, I've got a question about, is it risky to bill by time too often? And should it be used cautiously? So I'm actually not seeing many providers using time except when they're dealing with telehealth, which opens up another, you know, uh, bag, bag of worms there. But I see it primarily with the 99215. So if the if it's more appropriate because you're saying I did spend that kind of time because obviously they're going to try and add on a prolonged care as well, then I would say getting that high level, if it's not high level from medical decision making, you're going to have some issues. But if you spend 60 minutes with every patient, every child, every anybody, then, you know, who has maybe a upper respiratory infection or, you know, a spider bite without a um, allergic reaction or um, that says feels well, doing better, even with comorbidities and multiple chronic conditions where they're actually doing fine, then you're going to have scrutiny on your bill. So, but was, is, if there is a complex situation, for example, I have one oncologist who loves level five and I talk to him about it all the time. And if, and I have to pinpoint and really scrutinize his work before it goes out but I would say 80% is level five because of the conversation he's having about chemo, the interactions, um, questions and feedback back and forth from the patient. But if there's anything in there that reflects that, you know, the patient's doing fine, the patient is recovering, the patient is back to a certain level of activity, daily living, just because the patient's complex doesn't mean today that it is a high level visit then, you know, and, and if I see time and just going over all the paperwork, then I'll question that and query the physician. So do you want to be, you want to use time cautiously? I would just be careful with that. And then there's some feedback questions that have been asked about a provider referrals. So if a provider wants to give a referral to a patient, doesn't that count towards medical decision-making either under the data or the risk? Well, in the official guidelines for ENM, it states, and I'll quote, a referral without an evaluation, meaning you didn't work up the patients, there's no history exam or any diagnostic workup to show your thought process to get to the referral for the patient, then from a medical decision-making level, you basically are just giving it to the patient because they want it instead of that they need it. And so it reminds me of the conversations I have with my daughter about spending money. And, you know, now she's in, I hate to call it her real job, but she's a high school English teacher. She's in her late 20s. So, you know, she's still trying to figure out how to balance and budgets and stuff. But I say, ask yourself this, is it a want or a need? 
And when it's a want, think about it. If it's a need, okay, now you got to find a way to get it. And I, I kind of look at that parallel to medical decision-making. If it's a need, now you have medical necessity and you have to work it up to figure out what that need can happen. If it's just a want, then you're just saying, okay, I'll go ahead and give it to you. And that's not counted within that MDM decision-making. So just be be cognitive of that, that it would have to be come from today, your physician's addressing the problem to be able to get that referral to the patient and get credit for it. Can you give a referral without credit? Absolutely. That's up to you. But if you want credit for it under your risk and management of the patient, then you're going to have to do a workup on that. And then I've always get this question and it talks about consult codes because everybody kind of starts following the Medicare rule on that. Do you think that, and I've asked this question, I saw this question came up also at HealthCon with AAPC. Will consult codes be fading out completely at some point? You know, I don't really think so. Just from seeing that they're, they changed a little bit of the language. They're still in the CPT book in 2023. Uh, There are still payers that see value in those codes. I don't see any indications of them going away. So there is a revision, which I didn't care for in the 2023 rules, but they're going to be around for a while. So um, you can't use them for Medicare, as we know, but you just want to make sure that they are going to be kind of sticking around a little bit. But just be really, I guess this is what I want you to take away from today's podcast. Be really diligent in making sure that if you're going to use time in your E&M discussions, your E&M choices, make sure that you can absolutely support it. Another thing I would be looking at is the schedule, seeing how many patients per day a physician is seeing. Even though they can include time that's non-face-to-face, it has to be individual to that patient. I had one provider that billed 10 level 4s, 10 level 5s, and I think a handful level 3s in a 4-hour patient Um, office. And I'm just like, wait, well, okay, were you there doing other things? Found out then the doctor went to surgery. I was like, oh, no, no, no. So we had to really scale back what actually happened. I'm just like, you based everything on time. If I took time away, most of these services were, you know, two, threes and fours. So you have to keep that in mind that the payers, especially Medicare, will also look at total time in a day. Can you actually fit that in? And so just something to take with you into 2023. So I wanted to have my coding question today kind of be part of this E&M discussion. And I wanted to kind of comment on the credit for prescription drug management. I know this happens. I get this question all the time. And a question says, can you get credit for prescription drug management if the provider refills a prescription reporting name and administration of the drug or documents to continue current management? The answer is yes and no. So if refills of the medication and why, and the decision to keep a current dosage are both prescription drug management. So you have to give more detail than just listing it. If you just list it, it's part of the history. If you actually give that you're managing those medications and why, and why you chose to uh, refill, why you chose to uh, make an adjustment, or why they're staying the same, and make sure they're dated in your EMR, then you're okay. Then you have that prescription drug management. But try to remind physicians that there are three elements of medical decision-making, not just one. And just because you 
you know, prescribed medication doesn't make it automatic level four. I get that all the time. What did you have in problems addressed? What were your data points? And then we go to risk and assessment of plan. So you have to have two out of three. And a lot of times I see them saying, well, I gave them a script and so, you know, or refilled medications. And so that's a level four, not necessarily. Also, the next thing is if you are seeing a patient on preventative and then you find a problem and you don't fully work them up, but let's say you refill medications on some of their chronic conditions. Can I get, can you get credit for a level four visit? No, refilling medications is part of a preventative service because you are basically looking at head to toe on the patient to make sure they're fine. And, you know, no adjustments made. They're just saying, hey, I'm out of my medication. I'm going to Italy that, you know, I need them refilled. That is not an extra service. So I see that quite a bit too. Okay, so my personal tidbit. Well, I am off to Hawaii this Saturday for a week. Um, I'm Obviously, the CodeCast does not stop. So I'll be uh, recording directly from Hawaii. And so hopefully, all of you will hear my ocean breeze and ocean uh, waves crashing in the background uh, next week. But um, hopefully, it'll be just a nice vacation. But I'm really looking forward to it. And I get to bring my daughter and her husband along with my husband. So it'll be hopefully a nice week off. So everyone, you make it a great day. Make it a great rest of your week. And thank you for listening to the CodeCast podcast. For more information on medical coding, billing, auditing, and compliance, including how to hire Terry, follow Terry on Twitter at TerryCoder1 or visit her website at www.terryfletcher.net. Podcast producer Joe Kuzma, music producer Assassin Music. <laughs>